Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Everything Hoops podcast here on KRNU2. I'm your host Daniel Mahoney and on this episode I'm going to talk about the Eastern Conference. I'm going to talk about every single team that's in the playoffs and in the play-in and what you should look out for for the second half of this season. I hope you enjoy the episode. To start this episode I'm going to talk about the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics are absolutely incredible. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both two-way stars in the league. They have incredible depth like Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Robert Williams, Derek White. Malcolm Brogdon is the best backup point guard in the league because he does such a good job at getting to the rim and either scoring in the paint or making plays for his teammates. He's also a good three-point shooter. Grant Williams is a good player, but he probably won't be on the Celtics after next year because he wants a big contract extension, and I don't think he's worth the money he, he is asking for, but he's still a good player. Sam Hauser is a great three-point shooter. Mike Muscala is another good three-point shooter that they got from the Thunder. He probably won't play in big playoff minutes because he can't guard out on the perimeter, but he is good. The Celtics' defense is also really good. They're top five in defensive rating. Their versatility defensively is incredible, having Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Robert Williams, Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, even Sam Hauser, who is kind of seen as a liability defensively and teams attack him, but he's kind of underrated defensively. He moves his feet well, but teams are going to probably try to attack him in the playoffs. My only problem with the Celtics defense is I feel they switch too much. I think they need to be selective with their switches because the playoffs is about attacking matchups. And if the Celtics versus the Bucks in the conference finals, I think they need to be selective with their switches, especially when guarding Giannis. Because I remember last year in the playoffs, Giannis tried to get Derek White, Jalen Brown to guard him instead of Robert Williams and Al Horford because both of those guys are bigger than Derek White and Jalen Brown. And that's when Giannis had the most success scoring on Derek White or Jalen Brown. Moving on to the Celtics offense, which is also one of the best in the league. They are top three in offensive rating, top three in offensive efficiency. They are top five in points per game, and they also hit around 16 threes per game. They are so hard to stop offensively. You combine that with the fact that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both great three-level scorers, and the fact that Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White and Marcus Smart are also good shot creators, and all three of them, they are good scorers and good playmakers, so that makes the Celtics even more unguardable when you have so many scoring and playmaking options that aren't your stars. The only problem people have with the Celtics is that sometimes they take too many threes. Remember in the Knicks game, they went 9 for 42, 21%. That is pretty ugly. And that's the reason why they lost by 15. Sometimes Jason Tatum may settle for three-pointers instead of attacking the basket. I think they just need to understand that if the threes do not fall, then there's many ways they can still create shots. They can attack the basket, finish at the rim, maybe a drop-off pass, 
maybe a lob to Robert Williams. Also, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both great mid-range scorers, which is so important in the playoffs. You need guys that can get to their spots and can score in isolation. But yeah, in my opinion, the Celtics are one of the best teams in the East and they should be in the Eastern Conference Finals. But the team that may stop the Boston Celtics from getting to the NBA Finals may be the Milwaukee Bucks. They have great star power. They got great depth. They also hit a lot of threes. Their defense is absolutely incredible with Drew Holiday, Javon Carter, Wesley Matthews, those perimeter defenders, those guys navigating through ball screens, and then Brooke Lopez, the best rim protector in the league. He may win Defensive Player of the Year this year. He is incredible in drop. Also, Giannis, obviously, he's incredible on defense. And Giannis is so hard to stop offensively. You got to build a wall and that just creates open shots for his teammates and if you're just gonna guard him one-on-one while he's going downhill he's gonna dunk on you Chris Middleton hasn't looked like the all-star Chris Middleton yet he's still a little rusty but when they get their secondary shot creator back in full form it's going to look even more scary Chris Middleton has had moments this year where he hits a post fadeaway or he creates off the pick and roll and gets a mid-range pull up or he hits a pull up three. Anyways, moving on to Jay Crowder who the Bucks traded five second round picks for so you know he's a good NBA player. He just makes the Bucks even more versatile, gives them another wing defender and he can hit some clutch shots against the Suns he hit two clutch corner threes and that helped them start a run and they came back against the Suns in the fourth quarter. My only problem with the Bucks is sometimes their offense struggles to score if role players aren't hitting their catch and shoot threes. It happened last year in the playoffs. It's been going on for the whole Giannis era. It also has been going on this season. Mike Boonenhoser sometimes as a coach makes me worried because he's not willing to make the right adjustments. Remember game seven of the playoffs when they lost to the Celtics? They lost because Mike Boonehoser decided to just leave Graham Williams open and dare him to hit threes. And Grant hit seven out of 18 threes, which if someone hits seven threes, especially a role player, that's going to kill you. And finally, I'm worried that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going to attack Brooke Lopez when he is in drop coverage because those two are great at attacking drop coverage because they can get to their pull-ups. So I don't know if it's a great matchup and if Brooke Lopez becomes unplayable in the playoff, that will hurt the Bucks, but the Bucks are still a great team. I can't tell right now which team is better between the Bucks and the Celtics, so I'm excited for that playoff series when it happens, and I'll be disappointed if that series doesn't happen. Moving on to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are really good defensively. They're top three in defensive rating because they're the best team at protecting the paint. Their interior defense is incredible with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley protecting the rim with their defensive scheme they do an incredible job at protecting the paint but since their defensive scheme is protecting the 
paint, sometimes they overhelp on dribble penetration, which leads to teams killing them from three. That's why they lose some games and sometimes their defense looks bad because teams hit 15 threes on them. Isaac Okoro is their best perimeter defender. He does a great job navigating through screens. He's extremely physical with ball handlers. The problem is some people think he may be a liability on offense in the playoffs, which is true, but if he hits his corner threes, he should be fine, and he has shown that he can consistently hit them. I mean, he has some months like November where he shoots 28% from three, but then in January, he shoots 47.6% from three. This is the same thing that happened last year for Isaac Okoro, and then in their playing game, he shot 0 for 3 from three, and all of them were wide open corner threes, and he only played 13 minutes because he couldn't do anything offensively. Anyways, speaking about offense, the Cavs sometimes have problems scoring, but they got two really good shot creators in Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. I think Darius Garland has had an underage season because he has had to play more off the ball, so he has not gotten as much recognition as he did last year. I still think he's having an incredible season. But when it comes to the Cavs offense, I wanted to see Evan Mobley continue to become that third option. He's been playing really good. He's a great rim roller. He has nice touch around the basket. And he has shown that he's got some game offensively. He can hit post tucks, post fadeaways. But I want to see him be more consistent from three. And then he'll become that third option that the Cavs need. I also am worried about their bench. Their bench is inconsistent for them especially Karis LeVert that's been his calling card his whole career he's an inconsistent shot creator when he's on he looks really good and he gives them some needed scoring but other times when he's not making shots it looks really bad next we got the Philadelphia 76ers they're talented Joel Embiid is a great offensive player he's so skilled has great footwork and he's dominant in the paint some people don't like how he tries to draw fouls which I agree sometimes that can be annoying but that just makes him more hard to guard offensively James Harden has had a really good year he is one of the best playmakers in the league if you say he is the best playmaker I won't argue with you he's also a really good scorer his step back is absolutely incredible so there's no questions about those two maybe in the playoffs maybe they underperform my question about the Philadelphia 76ers has to do with coaching because I don't like the offensive scheme they run. It's just basically Joel Embiid and James Harden iso ball. I think that's predictable. When it comes to how they utilize their other players, Tobias Harris, he's getting paid $35 million to just sit in the corner. Yes, he's overpaid, but he's still better than a guy that just can sit in the corner. Tyrese Maxey, in my opinion, I think starting him is better offensively because James Harden knew how to get Tyrese Maxey good looks and Tyrese Maxey could run the floor with James Harden and that's where Tyrese Maxey is so effective because he's incredible in transition because he is so fast. But I do understand that Tyrese Maxey and James Harden are both bad defenders. That's why having DeAnthony Melton in the starting lineup has worked 
for the Sixers and DeAnthony Melton is playing really well. They traded for Jalen McDaniels from Charlotte. They only got him for two seconds. So I thought it was a good trade, but Doc hasn't given him enough minutes for him to help the team. George Niang, he's a good three-point shooter, but will he be attacked in the in the playoffs because he's not a good defender? And other than that, they just don't have really any good depth. And that's what concerns me also about the Sixers. So they'll probably get out of the first round, but how do they beat Boston or Milwaukee? And will Doc Rivers even make the right adjustments in the playoffs? Because that's been a criticism of his coaching. Anyway, the New York Knicks have been on fire since trading for Josh Hart. He is really good. He's good in transition. He can finish at the paint. He has good IQ so he can make plays for teammates. He's a good defender. And a problem with Josh Hart before he was traded to the Knicks was he was struggling from three with the Blazers. But the dude is making everything from three. He has been absolutely incredible. Jalen Brunson has had a great year. His game offensively is so fun to watch because he's so smooth, under control, doesn't force anything. He knows how to create separation using his body. He's a good playmaker. He's just like how he was in Villanova, which is a great thing because he was incredible in Villanova and made the game look so easily. So I'm happy that he's having a great year. Julius Randle with his great play was rewarded an all-star appearance and what I like about Julius Randle is how he is scoring in so many different ways. He's hitting step back jumpers. He's hitting contested mid-range jumpers. He's taking it to the paint and scoring inside. I think that is so important but also he needs to make sure that these tough shots that he is hitting he hits them in the playoffs. Remember in his first all-star year the same thing happened in And then against the Hawks, he just struggled to hit those shots that he was hitting in the regular season. So I think it's important for Julius Randle to be consistent and hit those tough shots because if he's hitting those tough shots like contested jumpers, he's going to be hard to stop. But if he's not, then that really hurts the Knicks offense. Speaking about their offense, I feel like they ISO too much. They're third in total isolations this year behind the Mavericks and the Sixers. I just don't feel like they have the talent and shouldn't be isoing so much. Anyways, back to the positives. Their defense is so good. Adding another perimeter defender like Josh Hart has only made them better. Getting their rim protector, their defensive anchor, Mitchell Robinson, who's in general underrated and so impactful because of his screen setting, his ability to roll, his ability to get offensive rebounds. In that Celtics game, he had two big offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter. And those offensive rebounds were a big reason why the Knicks won the game. Anyways, their depth is also really good because they got Quinn Grimes starting. I like him 3 and D, can attack a closeout, finish at the rim. He's a good player. Emmanuel quickly, I think, is one of the more underrated players in the league. I don't think people realize how good Emmanuel quickly is. He is a really good two-way guard. He's good in the pick and roll. He has a nice floater. He's a good playmaker. He can 
hit threes, so he is hard to guard offensively, and he's a really good defender, and I think he has a big reason why the Knicks have been so good this year. The player that I want to talk about is RJ Barrett. I don't think he's really that good. What he does so well is attacking the basket, putting pressure at the rim, and either finishing at the basket. He doesn't do that consistently. He's not really a great finisher, but he's fine. He can kick it out to wide open three-point shooters, or he can throw a lob to Mitchell Robinson. So that area of the game, he does well. I just think he's too predictable. I think his game is too much of straight line drives, and I think he needs to develop more as a scorer. I think he would be more effective if he had a mid-range game, if he can hit step-back jumpers, if he had more skill. I think he needs to be more consistent with his three-pointer. I also think that he needs to be more consistent as a defender. He has shown he has been a good defender, but sometimes lacking effort, sometimes he's just not as good as he usually is or how he can be. I'm really excited to watch the Knicks in the playoffs. I think they can give a team a run for their money. I think there's a possibility they can beat the Sixers or the Cavs. I think that would go to seven depending on the matchup. And I think if they beat one of those two teams, then they would give the Celtics and the Bucks a good playoff series. I just don't know if they'll be good enough offensively because I just think they ISO too much, but they're still a great team. When it comes to the Heat, first off, I do not disrespect Jimmy Butler. He knows how to elevate his game in big moments. He just played the Philadelphia 76ers and he led them to a three-point win and a near triple-double. I really like Bam's game. He can score, has a good mid-range game, finish at the basket. He's a good playmaker, good defender. He's good. Tyler Hero, I think he's important to this offense when he's consistent because he's a really good shot creator. But the reason why I don't trust the Heat is one, obviously their three-point shooting has been so bad, which was so big for them last year because they were the best three-point shooting team in terms of percentage. But they just got to rely on guys that I wouldn't trust because it's a bunch of undrafted guys. Duncan Robinson has been struggling for the last two years. Max Drews is having a really bad year. Victor Oladipo, obviously he wasn't undrafted. He was the second pick in his draft, but injuries... That's why I don't trust him. So it's just a bunch of unreliable role players that you got to trust to win you playoff games. Gabe Vincent, another one. He has shown that he can score, but not consistently. I don't trust Kyle Lowry because he can't stay healthy. He's getting old. He can't defend. He can't score. He's having a really bad year. So yeah, that's why I don't take the Heat seriously in any way. The Heat also did sign Kevin Love and Cody Zeller so they got more size that was a problem for them I still just don't think they're good enough to compete with the Bucks, the Celtics when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets I really like how Mikel Bridges has looked his scoring has looked good 
all year, but now getting traded to Brooklyn, he has more opportunities to create off the dribble for himself. Now, the Nets haven't looked good in a little bit. That's mainly because offensively, there are times that they are struggling to score because sometimes they can get a little ISO heavy. Some role players aren't hitting their catch and shoot threes, like Dorian Finney-Smith. He's the obvious one because all of the threes he gets are wide open threes and he's been struggling to hit them he was even struggling to hit them when he was on the Mavericks so this one doesn't surprise me Joe Harris he's not really effective if he's not hitting his threes Seth Curry same thing and they got Utah Wananabe and Edmund Summer not even playing and I think those guys deserve minutes especially with how they played during the time that KD and Kyrie were on the nets Nick Claxton has still looked amazing, blocking shots, extremely versatile defensively guarding 1-5, through five. good rim roller. Once again, his offense is improving because for a big, he has a good handle and he's pretty athletic. The problem is Jack Vaughn has, hasn't been giving him consistent minutes. I mean, against the Bucks, he only played two minutes in the fourth quarter, and I think Nick Claxton is their second best player, so I don't understand why he played only two minutes. And this thing has been going on for a long time where Nick Claxton doesn't play enough minutes in the second half. Cameron Johnson is a good player. He hits threes consistently. He's a smart player, and he plays defense Speaking about the other Cam, Cameron Thomas, I like him. I think he's a good scorer. I think he can make tough shots. The question is, will he be efficient? Is he a good enough playmaker? Can he defend? Because now he's coming off the bench after having three straight 40-point games. He was absolutely incredible. But now, against the Bucks, he went 0 for 7. And most of his misses were just tough step back. So I don't know what to think about Cam, but I still have faith in him as a player. Now moving on to the Atlanta Hawks, they hired Quinn Snyder, who is an offensive coach. I liked the hire because I didn't think Nate McMillan was a good offensive coach. His offense was just Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, isos, and pick and rolls, and they'll take more threes. Even though most people don't like Trey Young, I like him. I think he's extremely talented, great in the pick and roll, great playmaker. He's a good scorer. I understand the inefficiency. I understand that he's ball dominant. I understand that he's not a good defender, but I still think he's a great player. When I look at the Mavs' problems, I still think it's going to be defense. Their on-ball defense isn't good. They got DeJounte Murray because he was labeled a great lockdown defender, but that isn't true. His great defense is reading passing lanes and using his 7-foot wingspan to get off-ball steals. He's not a good on-ball defender. Guys can get to their spots and score against him one-on-one. The Hawks also don't play good team defense. They don't rotate well. I remember against Brooklyn, they won because Trey Young hit a nice buzzer beater, but they gave up a 3 at the end of the game. 
and that was because their rotations weren't good. Bogey as the low man helped on the dribble penetration, but Sadiq Bey, the other weak side defender, didn't zone up and close out to the first pass, and they gave up a wide open three. Those are the things I'm talking about, and they could be better if they defend as a team and rotate better. But I just don't trust their defense, and I don't trust their team defense will be good enough to make up for Trey's problems, so I don't have them as a serious threat in the playoffs even if they make it. Next with the Washington Wizards, one Bradley Beal is underrated. People don't realize how good of a scorer he is. He's taken more of a backseat getting guys involved playing team basketball but he can still get buckets he's good in isolation he's a good cutter and he's hitting his threes this year on good percentage. Him and Kristaps have a deadly two-man game, the pick and roll, the DA shows. They're all so effective for the Wizards, and it's their best source of offense. They have good depth like Kyle Kuzma. He's sometimes inefficient, but he can score. He's a good passer. He can defend. Monte Morris is solid as a starting point guard. DeLon Wright is one of the more underrated backup point guards because he's so good defensively. The Wizards got good pieces on both sides of the floor. I don't trust their coaching. I don't think Wes Unseld is good because he has some really bad lineups that hurt the Wizards and sometimes his adjustments aren't good and it hurts the Wizards. So maybe they can get out of the play and maybe they can beat the Hawks in either the Raptors or the Bulls, but I don't think they'll do much of anything. With the Raptors, Pascal Siakam looks absolutely incredible. He's such a good scorer. He makes good decisions. Their defense is looking like the defense from last year being disruptive. Jakob Pertl has been helping them out as a rim protector. They force turnovers. They get steals and deflections better than anyone. And I think they need to continue to do that. With their offense, they have talent. Sometimes they struggle to score because they don't have enough floor spacing. And sometimes they can get a little ISO heavy, which is why they may not get out of the play-in. But they're a very annoying team with their defense. Also, OG Anobi is one of the best on-ball defenders in the league if he stayed healthy then he would probably make an all defensive team so yeah I trust the Raptors in the play and I think they'll be a tough matchup however if they make the playoffs I don't think they have any chance against Boston or Milwaukee because both of those teams hit threes and the problem with the Raptors defense is they don't guard the three-point line well. They give up wide open corner threes. If Scotty Barnes has a strong end to the season and maybe he has a couple good games in the play-in and maybe in the playoffs, then I think it's a good thing for the Raptors for years to come. Finally, with the Chicago Bulls, I liked adding Patrick Beverly because he's the toughness He communicates defensively. He's the leader that the Bulls were missing. And now their defense looks legit. In the first couple of games with Pat, I think they give more effort defensively. I think they close out better to the three-point line. The problem is the offense. And that's because of two things. This team can't hit enough threes. They don't even take threes. And Billy Donovan's coaching. 
There is too much talent on this team. Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, Alex Caruso, and Patrick Beverly. Yes, they struggled to space the floor. That's why the Bulls struggled extremely hard against the Raptors because the Raptors were leaving those two guys wide open for three and they went two for nine from three, but they're still good players. Kobe White, Io DeSumo. Patrick Williams and Andre Drummond that's a solid team but he can't utilize the talent I just don't understand why offensively we run only pick and rolls and isos sometimes Billy runs some sets like Chicago where it's pinned down to a DHO I think those are effective Maybe a cross screen for Vooch. But why don't we run more off-ball actions for Zach Levine? I think he can come off pin downs. He can take moving threes. He can come off flare screens. I think there's so many ways we can use him. I think Vooch, there's a lot more ways we can use him. Speaking about guys that can move without the ball, I think Kobe White can be utilized a little more, especially in those bench lineups with DeMar DeRozan. I think he can come off pin downs while DeMar DeRozan is handling the ball. I think that would make us a little harder to guard and less predictable offensively. Another problem with the Bulls is they don't rebound well at all. That's why I don't want them to verse the Raptors in the play-in because the Raptors are so good at getting offensive rebounds. When the Bulls lost to the Raptors by six, the Bulls gave up 19 offensive rebounds and they're not going to win an important game if the opposing team is getting that much second chance opportunities. So yeah, I would rather have them versus the Wizards or the Hawks because I'm honestly terrified of the Raptors with their defense and the fact they get offensive rebounds. But I don't even know if the Bulls will make the plan. And if they do, I don't think they're going to win two games because I don't trust their offense and I do not trust Billy Donovan. There's too much talent on this team. DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are both all-stars. Nikola Vucevic is a good enough third option that we should not be sitting at the 11th seed. And this team has bench depth. They have Patrick Beverly and Alex Caruso now who are great on-ball defenders and do so much for this team defensively. They got young talent like Patrick Williams, Io DeSumo, and Kobe White. They should be better. But even if the Bulls don't make the play-in, I'm still excited for how things are going to shape out in the East. I can't wait for the Celtics and Bucks. That's my Eastern Conference Finals prediction. And I think that's going to go to seven games. And I want to see like maybe the Knicks or the Cavs, whichever team versus the Sixers. Hopefully they can beat them in the first round. I would like to see that. I just don't see that because I think Joel Embiid and James Harden are too good and won't lose in the first round if the Knicks and the Cavs verse each other in the first round I don't know who's going to win that I also think they'll go to seven games maybe it's home court advantage they're both really good defenses that protect the paint and both offenses their points come from in the paint maybe the Cavs would have the edge because I trust Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland more as shot creators. But yeah, anyways, this is the end of episode two of the Everything Hoops podcast. I hope you have a good day.